E-N. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A mixed type of market trade we saw today and a lot of factors we're going to be looking at. No surprise, a lot of folks talking about what's going on in the Mississippi River with the low water. Did get some good rains in parts of Oklahoma, Kansas, and Missouri, but how did it affect the winter wheat belt or did it at all? We're also going to talk about a country... I don't think we've ever talked about on this program, and that's Zimbabwe, because they've got some interesting things happening with wheat. China, weather, and a whole lot more on today's show as Arlen Suderman joins us. He is with Stonex. And Arlen, let's start out talking about this Mississippi, because it's definitely taken a toll because of our increasing barge rates. It's maybe catching us not at the best of times when we need to get some grain moved. Uh, you're exactly right on that, and probably most vulnerable soybeans because we have a relatively small window of opportunity to ship soybeans uh, to China. Uh, ironically, as we talk about this, um, Monday's weekly export inspection report, which showed shipments for the week ending October 30th, showed the fourth largest weekly shipment total on record at 106.1 million bushels of soybeans. But the overwhelming majority of those are shipped from the Pacific Northwest. Uh, It's becoming very difficult uh, to ship through the Mississippi River. We're seeing uh, barges have to uh, put 25 to 30 percent fewer beans on a barge so it can float higher in the water and not drag bottom uh, and get through. They're only allowing 25 barges to be connected versus they would normally go as many as 40 barges connected at a time. That means your volume moving down the river is a lot smaller. Uh, I know that China, and they're talking to our cash sources in China, they have gone to Argentina and Brazil to buy more soybeans during this period because they're worried whether they'll be able to get enough from the United States. So it's hurting export business. And and with high barge freight rates, we can say the same thing for corn and for wheat with a strong dollar in there adding to those prices as well. So there's a lot of concerns. Uh, It is hurting export demand for all three of the major ag commodities. And, uh, you know, the rains that we got in the area that you you mentioned in the opening uh, really didn't have a lot of impact. Uh, We may have seen water in some locations come up a foot, maybe a foot and a half temporarily uh, before starting to head back down. Uh, but the, they're so far below normal right now that it really had very little meaningful impact on freight movement. I just I can't imagine, Arlen, how much rain it's going to take, not only upstream, but just throughout this Mississippi River Basin to be able to replenish it enough to get barges moving in a somewhat normal capacity. Yeah, it's going to be what we're going to have to have is a period of above normal rainfall for an extended period of time, uh, rainfall or melted snow now that we're getting into winter. And frankly, that's not in the forecast right now. If you look at the long range models based on a La Nina winter, you know, that tends to give us above normal precipitation in the Ohio River Valley and in the far northern plains. But in the far northern plains, we anticipate being frozen. So any snow that falls up there, you know, for most of it's probably either going to soak in if the ground's not frozen yet or things are going to be frozen, not melt till spring. So it really comes down the Ohio River Valley for helping the southern half of the Mississippi. The northern half of the Mississippi is about to freeze over and shut down. Um, so... 
unfortunately, we really don't see that in the forecast yet for the Ohio River Valley, but that's what needs to happen. No surprise. I mean, if we rewind back to February when you and I were talking, you had said this was going to be a weather-related market all the way through, and we're definitely seeing that. No, we absolutely are, and uh, we're still very dry in the plains. We did benefit in eastern Oklahoma and eastern Kansas, um, but missing many of the key wheat-growing areas with anything meaningful. Uh, we should get the first winter wheat condition ratings come out on Monday from USDA, and I anticipate that overall they'll be low once again. Um, you know, we've got a lot of wheat acreage being planted, planted in the dust. Um, I flew into Oklahoma here last week and could see very, very little green from the air when normally it would be very green. Um, a lot of that wheat simply waiting for some moisture to come up. Um, but the insurance rates are giving incentive to go ahead and put it in the dust. The question now is, will we get the moisture to bring it up and nurse it through the winter? And the fact that we've got a lot of cattle that we're relying on some of that wheat to grow for some, some winter grazing. Yeah, absolutely. Even if we look at the last cattle on feed report, we see that heifer numbers are still up, even though placements, even though steer numbers are starting to go down now. So we're starting to see the effect of the smaller cow herd that we've been shrinking for the last couple of years. Um, and uh, once we get this weather pattern to change, then I anticipate those heifers are going to be held back and we'll have an even tighter on feed number going forward. But that that change hasn't happened yet, and uh, we hope it maybe happens sometime this winter into the spring, and we'll have to wait and see. So what's your thoughts on the economy and what we're seeing for money flow for these markets? Well, overall, we keep on seeing the stock market try to anticipate when the Federal Reserve is going to pivot and go from a hawkish stance to more of a dovish stance because the economic data is showing that we're seeing problems in the economy. Um, but yet, at the same time, the Fed seems very, very committed to bringing down inflation. And if you look at the, the Cleveland Federal Reserve's uh, forecaster, which has done a pretty good job of anticipating inflation, it's showing that the October inflation numbers may see one of the largest increases that we've seen in many years. So I don't think we're going to see the Fed slow down anytime soon. And definitely a lot of interesting things and factors we've already looked at. Stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up. As we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell, we're going to talk about the 20th Congress in China. What's next for agriculture? We could spend almost the entire uh, back half just on that alone. But we'll look at uh, Zimbabwe's focus on wheat and what's happening with some Argentine numbers and their crops. Not, unfortunately, a pretty picture. More is coming up. It is the Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We're going to visit with Eric Wasinius, part of a three-man crew for Peterson Livestock based in Oxford, Nebraska. So, Eric, you used to be a district man for Fontenelle Hybrids. Now, as a dealer, tell us what makes Fontenelle stand out above other local seed brands. I think a lot of it, as far as what really makes Fontenelle stand out, is our product lineup. Dealing with bear and what we get from a genetic lineup. In my area, it's a lot with soybeans specifically. We've got a little big issue with iron deficiency chlorosis. Um, and we've got several different beans, different maturities that work extremely well going up and down the hills. Um, we run into in Furnace and Arlen County. And so it's, it's really nice to have the depth of product selection that we have. 
For more on product selection, you can contact Eric Wasenius of Peterson Livestock based out of Oxford, Nebraska, or contact your local Fontenelle dealer or go to Fontenelle. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex. I want to talk about what's going on with China, but before we get to that, let's talk Zimbabwe. That is not a country we talk about much on these reports. And the fact that they've got a big focus right now on wheat. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you go back 15 years to the last super cycle we had in commodities, uh, you know, we said at the time, and it proved to be true, that high prices are the cure for high prices. They do so by encouraging expanded production. And, and at that point, at that time, that expansion took place in the Black Sea and in Brazil and in Africa. We don't hear too much about the expansion in Africa um, because they were basically at a deficit production, so they're not competing with us with exports, etc. This time around, the high prices, uh, the Black Sea isn't enough, doesn't have the opportunity to participate by expanding area. Brazil is expanding soybean and corn production, um, but also Africa is. And one of those countries expanding, in this case, we're talking wheat, as you said, is Zimbabwe, and they're seeing quite a bit of growth there. You know, African countries, a lot of times, don't pay much attention to the small farmers, but these are times of desperation and wheat being a major food grain. They need to grow the food and be more independent in doing so. So they're really working with the small farmers and finding that when they can collectively do that, they can significantly increase production. And Zimbabwe is a great success story in how they're going to increase their production, not only to eliminate their need to import from Ukraine, as they had been doing in the past, um, but to also now have more than what they produce so they can export it to other countries around them at a profit. So it's helping them uh, even as U.S. wheat acres continues to trend down, although I think we'll see an exception to that this coming year. So Brian, who listens to our program, said, Ask Garland, does that put any pressure on Russia? Of course, probably tongue-in-cheek in asking, but at the same time, it's another country to produce some wheat. Uh, it, it is. Uh, does it put pressure on Russia? Probably not. I think uh, President Putin of Russia has decided what he wants to do, and he's going to do it regardless of what the pressure is. But maybe it reduces some of his leverage, and that's probably what Brian is referring to to some extent, reducing the leverage he has if you have expanded wheat production elsewhere. You know, it's back in 1992, I believe it was, when I uh, Bob Dole's office asked me to help arrange a farm visit for Boris Yeltsin, who was president of Russia at the time. And so we went to a farm near Derby, Kansas, and Boris Yeltsin addressed the crowd at that time. He said, the wheat that you plant here, and it was harvest time at the, you know, in June, said the wheat you grow here came from my country, and uh, it yields three times what it does in my country. But we're investing in that infrastructure and in genetics, and we will one day become the breadbasket of the world. And he was right. They did become the breadbasket of the world, um, but now because of their actions, they're encouraging other areas to expand production to be less dependent on them. Let's look at what's going on uh, with China. We saw the 20th Congress wrap up. It's going to have an effect on ag. Yeah, it really did, and, and the Congress ended over the weekend, and immediately the markets reacted when they opened on Monday morning by turning lower. Uh, the financial markets and the commodity markets as a whole, and basically it's because in those meetings, the statements that were made and the actions taken were to, one, consolidate Xi Jinping's power. He's in a 
unprecedented third term right now with no successor really in sight, so he may actually go for a fourth. He's removed all the anybody who might have opposition to him. He's circled only by loyalists, and that worries observers that it may lead to bad decisions because he won't get both sides of you know of the story so to speak and may lead to bad policy decisions he also upped the ante on taiwan indicating that uh, there's it's more likely now that china will be taking action on taiwan and maybe sooner rather than later which is very negative for u.s commodities overall is what's anticipated uh, and that they're going to continue the the dynamic zero COVID policy in China for the foreseeable future, which means that China's economy is likely to continue to struggle. In fact, the, the, the man who oversaw the disastrous lockdown of Shanghai earlier this year was named to one of the, the, to the number two position in all of China, meaning that he may very well do that same thing to the rest of China as well if, uh, if he feels necessary. So very negative overall longer term and where we're going and something we're certainly going to have to watch. Real fast, Argentine numbers have seen a drop. 13.7 million metric tons of wheat expected to be produced this year because of the drought, down 40% from last year and the smallest crop in seven years in a nation that does have a lot of volatility because of La Nina's effect. All right, best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen. That's stonex.com over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we want to remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell is brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.